podcast, and this week we're hiding down in the vault of shit silo with a review of Wool. DC is also trying to get us excited about their movie, movie universe with the Suicide Squad trailer, and the 10 Cloverfield Lane trailer is warping my fragile little mind. Lastly, didn't DC just relaunch their universe with a whole bunch of books at number one not too long ago? Well, I guess it's happening again. I'm Nick Hemsing. And I expect DC to relaunch their books again by the end of this podcast. Yes, they do seem to like that. Oh, I mean, it's, it's even faster, it's faster than the nor- faster than normal cycle by far. Yeah, I mean, it was 2011, I believe, when the New 52 relaunched. And so, let's see, most books are approaching the 60-ish uh, issue range. And, my God... Anyway, we'll talk about that later. But uh, first thing I want to mention is my short story, Duplicity, is now on Comixology. It's only $1.99. Go check it out. Just head to Comixology.com and search for Duplicity. It will be the first thing that shows up, which is to be expected because that is the name of the book. I'm impressed by your ability to lead our readers to where they need to go. And if you need help with spelling the word duplicity, may God have mercy on your soul. Okay. Um, great. It's a totally acceptable book. <laughs> it is entirely mediocre, which is going in the book jacket of Time Dick, by the way. No, 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 no. It's, it's not mediocre. I mean, it's, 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 it's totally, completely marginally acceptable. Right. Acceptable. Sorry. That's the terminology used for it. Yeah. God, yeah, that's so going in when I end up printing Duplicity, that is definitely going in the book jacket. Somebody rated it a four star. One person. Oh, really? Yeah. Yay, me! It's on there as four star. Uh, I mean, I, I didn't rate it yet, so. <laughs> of course. You <laughs> I guess you should be. I well, guess you should be. Please. You should be. You one- show nothing but contempt for me, so I, I knew you didn't rate it. <laughs> I, no, I read it. The, uh, <laughs> no, uh, rate I'm, it. Rated, I know uh, you read I, it. You read it in hopes that you would be able to turn around and make fun of me nonstop for basically the rest of my life. Well, <laughs> yeah, that, what? I needed animation. I needed any sort of prompting to do that. I would do that anyway. You just need to. You need to rotate in new ammunition every now and again. It is, it is true, but you know, would you? Would you one be uh, if I had been the one who rated it? Would you one be disappointed that the only one who rated it was me, or would you have been disappointed that I gave it four stars? I'm, I'm totally thrilled with four. Four I mean, stars? All right, four all right. Is, you know, good solid seven and a half. Well, at least, at least uh, you know, two hours from now, you'll know why it has three point, you know, it has three stars or 2.5. Yeah, because you can't give it zero. So I guess the theoretical lowest you could get it would be two and a half. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Thought I'd help. Yeah. <laughs> so now that we... Uh, God, I hate you. Anyway. <laughs> and now you know the secret of why this podcast is done uh, uh, done with the two of us. It is surely th- uh, through a lack of uh, selection yes. when it comes to friends. Yes, exactly. <laughs> there is nowhere else we can turn. This is it. This is what we got. So. But um, so. If this, if this was our end of the world scenario, it would be the two of us in a silo. Uh. Pitted, uh, pitted bitterly against each other in 
tons of snide little pranks. Yeah. But for some reason, we just we keep going on in hopes that we will someday be able to get out. And yeah. I'd the- be IT, you'd be mechanical, and we'd fight the entire time, uh, yeah. which will make a little bit more sense in a few minutes. It's yes. a play on the wool. Yep. It would make a it would make a great workplace uh, sitcom. <laughs> two of us, two of us in a silo, you know, petty tr- petty playing petty tricks on each other. Yeah. <laughs> so you watched the Suicide Squad trailer, and yes. what were your thoughts on it? Um, I okay. One, the uh, I guess we should all expect that you know cute song uh you know songs that we love will always be used to make you know musical trailers to hype something up mm-hmm. um and using bohemian rhapsody is is great it's i mean it's i'm gonna watch the movie but i i am so it's not that i don't think a movie like that couldn't be fun and maybe the i think the movie will be maybe fun but the uh I'm also hoping for not two hours of um, of Clark Kent's dad running to save the family dog. You know, things that just don't make sense. Yeah. The uh, I'm just hoping that it's not us going for, you know, while going, well, that doesn't make any sense. Why the hell would they do that? And, you know, which something where you make – when you try to make a movie about a bunch of essentially super villains saving the world, the uh, it's it's going to be there's going to be a lot of buy-in at some point. Yeah, and I I don't know I don't know if I'm disagreeing with you or if we're just interpreting it a little bit different. I hope there isn't a lot of explanation. I hope that. DC and Time Warner have the wherewithal to realize that this book or this movie needs to be kind of just silly crazy in the vein of what we expect Deadpool to be or maybe a little bit of what Fury Road was. You know, it I mean it it has comedy in it at least it appears to which is a huge improvement which makes me want to see it much more than Batman versus Superman Don't Dress. Don't dress. Yeah. Dawn of Dark. Yeah. The and it appears uh, to be in color kind of. So Yeah. You know. <laughs> the it's uh not various shades of blue. Yeah. Uh I mean the Suicide Squad looks I mean I I, I think it'll be fun. And for I'm easy to entertain going to it. Yeah, you really are. So this movie should if if this movie fails to entertain you, that's a big problem. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> Cuz it's not I mean, hard. I mean I was a little bit, you know, the uh the exchange that happened uh, with uh, Harley Quinn and uh, the soldier or whatever who turns around and says, what's wrong with you? What's wrong with you people? Mm-hmm. I-, I thought it was a bit too on point. Yeah, that that actually was probably my least favorite line when she goes, we're super or we're bad guys. Duh, it's what we do. It just it felt so obvious and I'm like, well, you guys kind of had me until that, but that's really nitpicky stuff. Yeah. It, it, we have no idea what context it's in, in the film. It might be in the first 10 minutes, whatever. Sometimes, sometimes I think that people try to make sure that everything gets written, everything gets written in, mm-hmm. like everything gets written in as words when sometimes it's just not necessary. Yeah. Having and- Harley Quinn bash, take the purse and walk 
and having somebody question her about it is something where it's either prompts her to say something that is almost whimsically insane mm-hmm. or just shrug, laugh, and, and walk along like it's nothing at all. You know? Yeah, and it's that's a good juxtaposition for, or not juxtaposition, but comparison contrast point uh, for what we're going to talk about next, the Clint 10 Cloverfield Lane trailer, which is entirely show, don't tell. Yeah. But the, um, uh, I, I, I was, okay, are we, are we moving uh, on? No, I just, I'm cautiously optimistic for the Suicide Squad trailer. I am more positive about it now than I was before this trailer. Mm-hmm. So while Batman, Batman vs. Superman, don't trust us is slowly just kind of swirling down the drain for me. This actually, I want to watch it a little bit more now. So I guess somebody's doing their job. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm still, I, I'm still. Ex- I still want to see Deadpool a hell of a lot more. Yeah, but. I'm still in, more interested in seeing the other characters more than I want to see the Joker in that. Um, the uh, I was. And the Joker would probably be one of the characters I'd want to see more of. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm just that, that that Joker is really hard for me to buy. Um, you know, I just I need to see him for more than you know a second and a half at a time. Yeah, and, you know, right. there's fair enough. Joker's seventy five years old. There's hundreds of interpretations. Some are better than others. I don't even know what Jared Leto's interpretation is of him yet. So. I don't really have an opinion on him. I just need to see more. But I can understand why people are a little bit wary of the way he's being presented. Yeah, still still that one thing. It's like, can you imagine the Joker sitting for through a tattoo? Yeah. The <laughs> uh, For some reason, that's just something that does not make sense at all. No, uh, no. And, uh, <laughs> the, you know, he's uh, reading the- Us Weekly. Just sitting yeah, there. Yeah, <laughs> us weekly, getting a tattoo, whistling silently to himself. Yeah, maybe a Manny Petty after. Because mm-hmm. that's, that's the Joker. Yeah, sure. But yeah, yeah I, I get it. I just want to see more, and I'm cautiously optimistic about the film. That's really all I have to say. I, I liked the trailer. A lot of people were down on it, and I thought, I thought it did its job. It didn't do its job like what we're going to talk about now, which is 10 Cloverfield Lane which is one of the best trailers I've seen in the past couple years. And if you haven't seen it, um, it's set set to music, and there's no dialogue until the last couple seconds of the trailer. Unfortunately, there is dialogue, because I thought they could have ended the trailer without having any at all. Because they were so effectively communicating the situation of what was happening underground and it was just it had me engaged within seconds and i understood what the movie was kind of about i didn't really tell me entirely what it's about and i just want to see more and that's the job of a trailer yeah uh i was the uh the the trailer it took me a second to realize i said i'm we're going through it family thing i went into it knowing Nothing about what the movie was going to be about, except Same for here. except for, well, Cloverfield. J.J. Abrams made Cloverfield, but was... I I haven't done any research on it. I have no idea what the connection between those two films are. Yeah, 
And then and then I realized uh, partway through the trailer, I'm like, all right, all right. I know I know the thing that's nagging at me right now is that they're not in a house. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm I'm they're they're somewhere else. And I look around, I go, oh okay, they're they're in a they're in, in a, a bunker. bunker. And I'm like, okay, all right. They're in a vault shit silo. Yeah, and uh, and then uh, watching what I'm actually really looking forward to now in the movie is watching John Goodman. Goodman. Oh, absolutely. The guy because the guy chews scenery. Yeah, you, you're not you're not used to you're not used to seeing him as that character, and uh, sort of. Uh, but it's not a stretch to imagine him as a really scary dude. Yeah, it's not at all. Um, and and you're not entirely. And then you know they kind of tell you towards the end that you that there may be a re, that there's a reason for it. So you're mm-hmm. not like you don't come off thinking he's necessarily the complete villain. Yeah, um, although he's definitely a villain. Yeah. Um, and then it has a I can't remember Mary Elizabeth Winstead maybe is her name the or the character Ramona Flowers from Scott Pilgrim, and then the young man I. I've seen him in other stuff. I can't remember where. Um, yeah. Yeah, this movie went from me not knowing it existed to I'm almost certainly going to see it. Just based on this trailer, because that trailer was so damn good. Yeah. Uh, now I'm going to look up his name because I am curious. And it is John Gallagher Jr. Okay. That still means nothing to me. Uh, what was he you have seen him in uh do, 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 whoa um hmm <laughs> um did, did you watch the newsroom um oh yeah i did watch the newsroom actually okay well he's in the newsroom oh uh, he's jim harper in the newsroom well then that's probably where i saw him yeah so uh i also yeah. saw pieces of april he was in um, I did watch Jonah Hex, but I have successfully deleted that movie from my memory, except for the fact that I watched it. So therefore, I will know and remember <laughs> never to watch it again. Literally, no idea what the movie's even about, other than Jonah Hex, the character, which I'm familiar with. But yeah, I watched it. I'm actually, it's one of the things I'm more proud about in my life, is being able to successfully delete everything about Jonah Hex out of my memory. Have you watched it? You should watch it. I have seen it. You have. Uh, I've seen enough of it. <laughs> Let's put it that way. Did, did you I see all I... of it? I don't know. I can't really tell. <laughs> no, I may have. It was. It was on TV. Uh, I'm not sure if I turned on my long-term memory storage at that point. Um, the uh, I may have ref- I, I may have refilled it all with Johnny Mnemonic or something. <laughs> you know that dolphin was so cute. I know, you know, the uh, that that's that's a that's a movie that deserves to live. Yeah, I think everybody in the world would be far better off for him seeing Johnny Mnemonic. Absolutely, it's one of those movies that's it's up there with um, Point Break and Roadhouse, where but they're all entirely independent and different than each other. What they share in common is they're all so fucking terrible that they're awesome and. Yeah, I mean Johnny Mnemonic is must watch. So, yeah, and absolutely. What, and what was great is it was it was the movie that um, William Gibson intended. <laughs> really? 
Yeah. This is why authors should have nothing to do with their own films. They really shouldn't. I mean, Stephen King was so bent out of shape about The Shining and then proceeded to make terrible films for 20 years. I mean, just horrible. Yeah. Yeah. So you could say, um, uh, yeah, I guess the, uh, yes, the, uh, see. Oh yeah. I mean the, I guess the film differs from the short story quite a bit. Okay. But, uh, and, and William Gibson did not, did not write the script. Oh, okay. Um, But I, I seem to remember seeing something that wasn't, uh, uh, Something about his involvement of it that wasn't that negative. And I could be completely wrong. So, you know, take that away that I could be ridiculously wrong. <laughs> um, the uh, It still amazes me that they've never turned Neuromancer into a movie. Um, but, yeah. Anyway. I actually never finished Neuromancer. I made it about halfway through. Then I lost my copy or something. Anyway. <laughs> All right. So, so let's talk know. about Wool. Yeah, 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 okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Talk about wool. I, mean, I was having yeah. fun derailing the the podcast. And yeah, we're going to talk about wool. Let's talk about wool. Okay, wool, wool, good driver, wool. very good driver. Wool. wool. This is a story of mankind clawing for survival of mankind on the edge. The world outside has grown unkind. The view of it limited. Talk of it forbidden. But there are always those who hope, who dream. These are the dangerous people, the residents who infect others with their optimism. Their punishment is simple. They are given the very thing they profess to want. They are allowed outside. This book was written by three different people, which is a little bit odd. Justin Gray, Jimmy Palmati, and Hugh Howie. And the arts by Jimmy Broxton. And what the story is about is this vault shit silo. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and they're... Basically, everyone's living in a vault, basically, from Fallout. And when somebody's punished, they're sent outside to clean um, the view screen, essentially, that allows people to see outside, and they never come back. And so they've built this society, and it's tiered society, so... IT is on level 34. The government appears to be on level one. Uh, maintenance is way down in like level, I, I don't even remember the number, but way down near the bottom. There's uh, supplies. And you're introduced to a world where the gears are kind of coming apart. Things aren't running as well as they used to. And a sheriff is assassinated. And then you're introduced to this young female character who takes the role of sheriff and what i really liked about this book is that it's six issues self-contained it's basically what i'm doing with my own comics right now you know you you pick up six issues i mean better done with it i, I, I mean I well mean, yeah better, obviously better but yeah uh yeah obviously because mine is just perfectly acceptable mm-hmm. eh, yeah I, I wouldn't say perfectly acceptable marginal Marginal. Yeah, we're perf- working our way. To- it was perfectly marginal in its acceptability, yeah. mm-hmm. but uh, the first issue of this book. What did you think about it? Um, okay, so first thing that you know is that it's it's a novel. It's a uh, graphic novel interpretation of a book. So I didn't realize that. Yeah, it's an it's an so it's, it's a, a novel. 
Yes, and oh. once I knew that, a lot of things made sense. Yes. Um, first of all, I do like the I do like the gra- the the book or the graphic novel. Um, however, that I, I felt that there were lots of uh, there were lots of nuances that were kind of lost by by shoehorning it into a uh, was it six issues? Yeah, six issues. Six shoehorning it into six issues, and they're a little bit short. Uh, the issues I think are about twenty pages per issue. So I, I would the way I look at it is is if you read the book, which I haven't, this probably would feel like a graphical companion. Yeah. Um, okay. Now that you say it was based on a book, yeah, I can see that. Yeah. So the um, it's a good comic. Um, I think that there's you can tell that there's a rich reason behind there's a you know there's a lot of development mm-hmm. as to why things are, um, but you feel a little bit rushed through it. Um, the, I thought this easily could have been eight issues. Yeah, um, there's a little bit more development that I would have liked to have seen between characters, mm-hmm. um, especially the, uh, the love interest. It yeah, it was the, kind of dropped on us suddenly in issue four when the main character and the, I guess, kind of fir- or second command in IT mm-hmm. uh, kind of start having a relationship, and it just appeared. And they had been talking with each other for quite a bit before that point, but I just thought it was a platonic. They're friends trying to investigate this mystery and figure it out. Yeah. And then all of a and sudden then, they're romantically involved. And then there's a solo character later you get a little yep. bit of an intro to, but you don't get to spend a lot of time with. There's some... Um, kids that she finds later that you you briefly get to know that they exist but otherwise don't get a lot of interaction with yep um so i I, that's but i already had that in my mind that this was uh an adaptation sure and uh the uh i would say that if reviewing it on its own if uh if not knowing that and if the if the book didn't exist I would my criticisms would be that this is a rushed story um, with not a lot of development. It needed to take it needed to take a bit more time. Um, knowing that it is it does have a book, um, I would say that they needed to have a little bit more faith in their uh, in their ability to get the whole story out in the graphic novel mm-hmm. and uh, taken their time to include a few more key elements that allow us to attach to characters and that's fair um and i didn't know it was an adaptation and i still really enjoyed the book the the one kind of problem that i had right off the bat and it makes sense now that i know it's an adaptation is that the first few pages of the book throw a shit ton of characters at you and the silo is dark and the art style by uh, Jimmy Roxton is a little bit scratchy. So you spend a lot of time going, who said that? Who's this person again? Okay, now are they this person from here or the, this other person? But by the end of the first issue... Is this I, the person, that, the one that died? Or is this yeah, the person... Yeah, exactly. I thought, this was, I thought this guy was the sheriff or something. Oh, no, he's not the sheriff. He's yep. just some other, some other guy. Yep. Um, and there's something about that art style when I see it done that... Um, I see that particular scratchy art style specifically with monochrome, you know, this, uh, a, a limited color palette being used. Mm -hmm. Um, I kind of get it, 
but when you, uh, I think that there's a point at which it doesn't work, and it doesn't work when when people need to be able to quickly differentiate things. Well, I mean that's why superheroes have brightly colored costumes. I mean that's that is the reason they have super bright colored costumes. Well, yeah, so you can spot them and identify them. So even just recognizable, even just recognizable color in clothing. Yeah. You know, color in clothing, um, hair color, things like that. Um, the uh, Those allow us to, if you're going to throw that many characters at us at once, that actually does help us make that uh, make those connections and and follow those characters and it, it may feel like a sacrifice of a certain style but if the style is hindering your reader's ability to follow your work then you might want to recon- reconsider the approach yeah and that's that's one reason why i've been a big fan in my own work of either have very few characters in the story which is what i've published does have very few characters in my current project, Time Dick, which I actually finished the first chapter of, by the way. Um, there are only three really speaking roles. But in other stories I've written, I'm a big fan of giving somebody two different colored eyes or a scar, a recognizable scar across their face. Something that you can look at at a glance and say, this person's different. This you know, there's some visual cue because when you get into stories where the color palette is, you know, one or two colors like it is in this, you need something. And people are just dressed in normal street clothes. You need something that will allow the audience to quickly say, oh, this is this person. This is this person. Okay. So, uh, that being said, <laughs> yeah. that being said, uh, the the world does come off as uh, fairly well thought out, uh, pretty well thought out. I mean, it carries that. It, it seems to carry that over from the book since they they had a lot of that to work with. Um, they had a long form uh, setting to uh, to work with. Yeah, um, the. The story, I, I, I did. I did want to. I did want to to know more about the world, more about this. The, uh, um, I, I was interested the whole way through in what was happening to the um, to the main character. Absolutely. The, the, the book did not lose the book. The book did not lose um, did not lose my attention. No, I actually, I started out very questionably with the first issue. And as this book ramped up, and it's only six issues, so it's not like, you know, I had a ton of time to ramp up my interest. It was a steady progression in an upward uh, climb. I was more interested in book two than I was in one, more interested in three than two, et cetera, et cetera, all the way down the chain. And by the end of this story, I was really enjoying it. I really liked this book. I, I had no idea what to expect from it. I just picked it up for like two or three bucks on a comiXology sale a long time ago and I looked at the cover and said oh this looks kind of cool and Jimmy Palmati's involved in it I'll check it out and yeah I 
I really like the format. I like the closed book story. I like the story that was told. Uh, the art, other than getting a little confusing at time, it did its job. It set its tone in both color and art style. This is one of the better books I've read in a while. Yeah, I, I, it's it's a good book that I think needed a bit more. Um, yeah, it easily could have been eight issues. Hell, it so, probably could have been ten. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I am interested now in going back and reading uh, the book. Yeah. Uh, because I want to know a, a bit more. I, 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 I have to, I have to uh, uh, think that in there there has to be um, a deeper dive into each one of those interactions. I would think so. Okay, so Hugh Howey is the man who wrote the book. Yeah. That's so. a, there's a lot of books. There's a lot of books in the series, by the way. Oh, are there? Oh, a, uh, a, I guess it's a series. Oh, um, oh, it's called uh, a, a series of novellas. And the name of the novella series is Silo. Oh. Nine books in it. Wow. Uh, but I think they're novellas. I don't think they're... Uh, how long is each one? Um, anyway, I'll, I'll check it out. But I'm. Uh... Yeah, if they're super short, I may check it out. Uh, yeah, Amazon isn't telling me, but that's interesting that there's nine books. I was kind of hoping that the story would just end where it did. But I suppose that they set it up so that you. Oh, it has to be. It has to be novellas. They are. They come out in rapid succession. Okay, and I don't want to give away kind of one of the most important story elements of the books. But there's something that happens, or something you find out as a reader, uh, maybe issue four or five, that basically guarantees that more books are going to be written about this world. I just. I was really happy and content with what I read and I don't know if I need to read anything else in this world. I don't know, but I'm also weird that way where if I find something that is really engaging and, and ends at a really good point for me, it's not hard for me to walk away. Okay. All right. Don't give him any more money. You fucking stingy asshole. <laughs> you son of a bitch. <laughs> um oh he actually uh do you have kindle unlimited does kindle uh, unlimited come with prime it probably does i don't think it does i think kindle unlimited is the other thing you can pay for from amazon uh, but i'm not sure if only there was this thing oh shut your pie hole <laughs> oh there <laughs> Uh, I just like to uh, I like to wing whatever I'm saying with absolutely no research. The Earth right. is six thousand years old, but hey, um, yeah, I don't think that's part of Prime. Okay, all right. The uh, we'll find them. Yeah. So yes. You know I'm looking, trying to look it up right now. So I know you so are. Could, and... Just so I could prove you wrong, because it would make me nope. so happy. Uh, Kindle Unlimited is something you have to pay for. It's 10 bucks a month. Fucking. <laughs> I mean, it's not like Amazon Prime's a bad deal for anybody involved. I mean, what did they just add? 20% off video games? Did they? Yeah, if you pre-order any video games, it's 20% off. Oh, well, that 
that's for people who pre-order video games. Yeah, yeah, I don't do such things. But yeah, Amazon Prime is kind of crazy how much I get from them in a year. I don't know why I'm excited about new video games because uh, I, I'm generally playing games that are two to three years old. <laughs> I'm playing Bioshock Infinite right now. Ah, yeah, I haven't played that yet. I have it. I, I I picked it up when it was cheap. Damn it! I'm uh, gonna have to stop playing it now because if if I found out you're out slacking me, now I'm gonna have to go. Maybe I can... no. I I am actually playing one newer modern game. So oh okay. Uh, you're safe. I, uh, I I couldn't resist the call of Fallout Four, so right. Okay. I, I found I found as much of a deal on it as I could, and uh, yeah, I started and played through it. The um, and uh, after playing playing a decent amount of it, I have to say I am totally I I totally want them to change the setting a bit. Um, yeah, we talked about that, and I would yeah. love to see a winter setting or you know even even putting it in Toronto or something and putting it in the dead of winter, something kind of needs to shake the tree in the Fallout universe, you know, or go the opposite direction, put it in Mexico City. Do something a little bit crazy with it, you know? I, I still think that, I still think the low-hanging fruit that they have to do is Russia. Yeah, Russia, yeah, you're, you're really right because you could, you could combine all those things. You could take the uh, American 50s space age culture that Fallout, you know, is all about and kind of twist that into a winterized Soviet Russia. Well, yeah, they, I mean, that would be Russia, fantastic. Russia had their own their own like futuristic ver- vision that they had at that time. Yeah, absolutely. And, and their own art that went with it. Oh, the fun that you could have mixing that together. Mm-hmm. And, and, and in the in that that hyper, you know, that super stylized Fallout kind of setting. Oh, you could have so much fun. The, the Russian the Russian people would have fun playing the hell out of that game. Yeah, and uh, it just—I mean, it would—it would have such a different feel, iconography. You could set it because it's in Moscow or Russia, in the dead of winter, and give a very different visual feel. But yeah, this is. Let's see, this is the third or fourth. No, this is the third Bethesda Fallout game, right? Yes. Yeah. It just. I'm starting to feel like I've been there too much. It is. It is. Uh, it is definitely there. Um, and I'm not knocking what they've done. They've done a lot of fantastic things, but there's only so many times you can go back to the same well. Yep. So anyway, that's so I, I am not completely back in the stone ages of gamedom. <laughs> um, the uh, and I'm also uh, waiting for uh, uh, Overwatch to come out. Um, and 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 true. Uh, by the way, the if you want to see a a Disney style intro, mm-hmm. uh, watch the trailer for that game. Okay, it is actually uh, okay. So I, I have to admit a personal weakness. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if it's a weakness. It's a it's it's a propensity. I tend to uh, like I don't get teary eyed over sad movies mm-hmm. for some reason. They don't do it. But man, you put big music behind an action scene or something like that. Um, oh, uh, the Starman scene from The Martian. I haven't seen it yet. Oh it's, my god! I'm gonna, I'm gonna see. It's it exactly soon. that. It's, it's a scene when they do a montage of uh, building a rocket to go save Matt Damon. Matt Damon. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and it's a montage and the Chinese get involved and everyone's cooperating. And like, it's like everything awesome about humanity. Like all these nations are cooperating and everyone's mm-hmm. cheering and they're sending a fucking rocket out into space to go save a dude on Mars. And it's all overlaid with a booming soundtrack of David Bowie's Starman. Oh, <laughs> so good. And did, did, did you cry like a 12 year old girl with a skin? Yeah, I came damn close, dude. I, 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 for some reason, and, and I watched the trailer and I, I know you won't have the same reaction for some reason though, I watched that freaking overwatch trailer and I have, to, I, I, I'll watch it with like other people in the room and I'll be like, I don't know why this is happening to me, but I kind of have to look away from it at several points because I will, the, uh, I will fucking tear up. <laughs> I no idea. I, 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 I have no, there's. <laughs> You know, if, if, if this causes me some sort of man card, then I lose it. But I, I don't know what it is about the uh, about those kind of um, those kind of things that that get me. Uh, yeah. I uh, Hey, whatever uh, floats your boat, dude. People, I know people who have issues with guys showing emotion can sh- just go fuck themselves. Honestly. Yeah. Um, you know what? We're but yeah, human you, beings. You, you show me, but you show me like the most depressing of depressing movies, or something like that, or, or the saddest scene in like a, a sad scene in a movie, and you know that I will know it. It's, it's legitimately sad, and I and I and I get it, but I won't mm-hmm. cry. Yeah, I actually, um, I have the same thing, and it's not because I'm not feeling emotional in the scene. It's because in a lot of those cases, what I'm most aware of is that my emotions are being manipulated, mm-hmm. which makes me draw back and look at it from more of a analytical perspective. So I, I have emotions and they're emotion stirring, but I also realize they're being manipulated. So I'm able to kind of quash that, but wow, we've gone way off track. Yeah. So, uh, Oh, uh, D- DC's rebooting, DC's relaunching <laughs> books, which honestly, oh, by kind the way, of makes... and read wool. Yeah. Read wool. Definitely. Uh, definitely. I, like I said, I had no expectations for this book, and I I really liked it. I mean, it's a pretty straight-up sci-fi story, post-apocalyptic. We, we've seen pretty much all the elements in various other stories in the past, but the, Hugh Howey does a good job of mashing them all together, and it works. And it's, it's a good story. You can pick up and read and walk away from and never touch the world again. So I'm into it. I like it. I, I wish it. more books were that way. We both give it a read. It. I give it a read. It. Matt Damon. Anyway, so DC is relaunching a bunch of books. Yes, that's very exciting because it's been all of less than five years since they last relaunched all their books. And seriously, what the fuck, DC? I mean, it's. I guess we don't really care because we don't read any of them. But <laughs> it, it is. It still it is. annoys me. Yeah, it's just a, it's an RCA dog moment. Yeah, huh? <laughs> didn't this didn't this just happen? And they're retooling it so that they align with the movie and TV universes a little bit better. But that's okay. First off, that should have been done years ago. It's not like you guys just started making movies. Second off, how are you going to handle some of these properties that are on both in movies and on TV with different actors portraying each? There's a different flash on TV than there is in the movies. Uh, Suicide Squad and some of the characters from it appear in television shows. They're getting their own movie. 
they just don't have any effing idea what they're doing. The the best DC stuff right now is not being produced by DC. It's being produced by the Arrow and Flash dudes. Or yeah. maybe they're ladies. I don't even know who runs that show. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, all I know is that the... I mean, it was one of the smarter decisions that... I mean, okay, Marvel's made a lot of smart decisions. Uh, but one of the smart decisions they made was like, okay, all of this happens in the same place. Yeah. Um, and the uh and one of their things is is if you are this character you are this character yes. you will not be another character in uh in our in our disney marvel universe and no one else will play this character in this universe unless you retire and are replaced or whatever yeah i mean yeah, yeah if someone if, takes if, a mantle it'll be permanent yeah exactly so if if they're that person on the tv show they're that person in the movies if you know it's that's a consistency and dc actually really had the opportunity to do so much of that um, sure they did i mean they yeah they could tie the whole thing together which which sells both i mean if you go back three four years the only thing they had was the Christopher Nolan Batman movies. I mean, that's, that's the only thing they had produced. Man of Steel hadn't come out. Uh, Arrow hadn't launched. Uh, you know, none of this stuff was on TV. And, they, yeah, they had a perfect opportunity to just set up this grand universe. And you know, it just speaks volumes that the best stuff that's being done with their characters isn't being done by them. Yeah, and and I guess their explanation is to try and make it sense is they're doing they they'll say the whole Earth Two thing. Yeah, and I guess they're bringing back some of the Earth Two stuff. And good God, I don't understand why anyone reads their books anymore. I just don't. Who the uh, go read Scott Snyder's Batman because it's really good and fuck the rest of DC. Honestly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, that, that that was actually pretty good. Um, so yeah, I, I really just want them to. I want them to kind of. I, I, I would actually I would have wanted them to. It's too kind of too late now. Uh, I would have wanted them to, if they're going to bring a, a lot of this together, you know, if they're going to put all this out, then keep it tied together somehow, and that way we, you know, it might make me more interested in hunting down the TV shows. Well, yeah, uh, give me a tether from which to start exploring your world. Yeah. Because if you introduce something cool in your world, and Marvel has done this so well, if you int introduce something cool in this world and say, oh, this other thing is also happening in this world, say Ant-Man, I'm going to go watch Ant-Man too because, you know, it's a whole FOMO thing. You know, yeah, I don't, missing out. To, I, I don't want to miss it. Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, the, uh, and also... I'm actually feel bad that I'm missing stuff in the TV shows. Yeah, uh, I I recently got over that because I just decided that I could not take any more Marvel's Agents of Shield. I haven't I watched just, it. So. It just yeah, it's just it's flat. It really oh. is flat, and it, they're doing some stuff with um, oh the people on the moon, the Inhumans, and some other stuff, which I probably will want to go back and catch up on, but the show. It's just, it's not awesome. Um, I do really like Peggy Carter or Agent Carter. So, but yeah, I, I wish, Mar I I wish Marvel it. would exp 
Sorry, drop, I haven't watched any Agent Carter yet. Yeah, I wish they would drop uh, Agents Agents of Shield, uh, move to something else on ABC because the Netflix stuff is just killing it, and Agents of Shield doesn't hold up. Well, it's you know what maybe it's time to for them to explore something different. Yeah, yeah. There's something different that could still live on a network. Yeah, yeah. But it doesn't have to be super dark. Agent Carter, uh, that was a good short first season. So it doesn't have to be dark or gritty or any of that nonsense. It can be somewhat light and fun. It's just the characters in Agents of Shield. I just it never seemed to gel for me. Hmm. And it, it's pro- probably partially because the first 10 episodes of that show were varying levels of bad. And then it improved quite a bit, but it's hard to recover from that. And I, I just don't feel a lot of chemistry on the show. Mm-hmm. Well, the, uh, I, I don't know. I, I still might at least watch the first season at some point to the, uh, at least get some sort of feel of it. I still feel somewhat obligated. I don't know why. Yeah. Um, well, that's it's fascinating because you do feel obligated because mm-hmm. you've invested so much in mm-hmm. all these movies and everything else. And so there's this one thing that's hanging out there that you haven't watched. So you do kind of feel obligated to say, well, I've dedicated all this time. Why not dedicate mm-hmm. a little bit more? Yeah. Well, and... Then we get to DC. <laughs> yeah, which, you know, you have Supergirl on one network, you have Gotham on another, you have Flash and Arrow on a third, and what is it, League of Tomorrow? I can't even remember what that's Legends called. Legends of yet. Tomorrow. Legends of Tomorrow. We talked about it last time. I know. Last time. <laughs> I haven't watched it yet, so it hasn't really stuck with me. I don't think, I think it's pilot just came out. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I think, yeah, I think it just came out this week. But I just caught up on uh, Arrow and The Flash uh, yesterday. So it's not like I'm way behind in anything. But yeah, DC's relaunching shit. Do we mm. care? Yeah, a little bit. Should we care? No. No. I don't care. <laughs> I just don't care. <laughs> it just bugs me because I love comic books and I wish these companies would be a little bit smarter and do a little bit better managing of their properties. Yeah. Oh, oh well. Oh, well. (laughs) Oh, well. (laughs) But we could bitch about it. Yes, absolutely. It's what we're best at. (laughs) This is the internet. This is the internet, and we are products of it. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, uh, I think that's everything. Yeah, that's all we got. Yeah, we don't have a second book this this time, guys. Just talking about trailers and shit. Yep, we, uh, I just, I flipped around, tried to find something, nothing really jumped out at me, so hopefully next time. Right. We could, we could review Duplicity, and that would be a hilarious podcast. Oh, that'd be awesome. We actually should consider doing that, that'd be really good fun. We'll definitely Uh, do it for Time Dick. Uh, yeah, I, I will read, I will read more of it and make more notes on each page than I have on anything we have read so far. You you would just have to make one note on one page for that to be true. <laughs> yes. This is you know, it, the, they always say that the the uh, the worst thing you could do to a comedian is uh just sit uh sit, you know, near the front and do nothing. And do nothing, just be completely as passive and non-committal passive. to the environment yeah. as possible. Yeah, not upset. Not upset. Just no. sitting there. 
<laughs> just yeah. So they say, "What's the, what's the worst thing you could do to a comic book writer?" The uh, you know, and they write something, and go, yeah, "It's okay." Yeah, it's <laughs> marginally somewhat acceptable in a roundabout way, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. Eh. I mean, it's like pages. <laughs> I mean, it's pages. That's, that's your that's your book jacket liner. Quotation marks. Marks. Meh. Nick <laughs> no, I, I, I say I, I think I'd settle on its pages. <laughs> <laughs> there are words, drawings, things happen. Nick Hemsing. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, uh, all right. Well, so, yeah, uh, maybe let's we'll get do out of here. We'll do that sometime soon. Um, are we back next week? Or are you we gone? are back next week. Okay. Cool. So we'll do. We'll uh, be back next week. Um, and then you're going to be gone on some vacation sometime soon. Yep. Or Nicaragua. Like so, yeah. So uh, he'll come back <laughs> with a good old botfly colony. Dude, I've been vaccinated against pretty much every disease known to man. And they're not a disease. They're yeah, I know. I'm not going to get them. Anyway, thanks for listening, everybody. Be sure to drop us a line at countercomic at gmail.com. You can also visit our website at schlockworks.com, where you can view our podcast archives or check in on some of our other projects. And we'd appreciate it if you drop by iTunes or Stitcher and give us a review. That's all I have for today. I'm Brock Beauchamp. I'm Nick Hemsing. Thanks, everybody.